0: This is the Game Theory Podcast, Episode 13, Game of the Year, with Brian Fife, Jim Fingle, and Tom Westberg. Hi, this is Jim Fingle. I'm Brian. I'm Tom. And this is the Game Theory Podcast. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year to you, too. And Happy New Year.
0: And, you know, the greatest gift of all uh, is, in fact, material things. It's uh, Jim's new audio equipment. We're all thankful <laughs> for that.
1: And and me not dying on New Year's Eve. Uh, yeah,
0: that was, that was a, actually that ranks higher. A little car accident.
1: Uh, flipped upside down on the side of the road. Had to undo the belts and drop down to the ceiling. The, uh, the dogs were, were totally fine, and we were also totally fine.
0: That's good. That's good. That, that that dropping down thing was one of those things you'd always kind of wanted to try, but then at the moment you realized it wasn't as great as it was cracked up to be. Is that the the way it? Well,
1: worked? it was it was weird how familiar the uh, the sensation of rolling the car was from like films and video games and and whatnot. I feel like it had been adequately represented to me what at least the visual impression of that was like. <laughs>
0: So any, uh, any gaming New Year's resolutions? I have resolved to, uh, put this podcast out once every two weeks.
1: I, I can second that one. I, my main resolution is to catch up on the console games that I haven't been playing since around October because I've been waiting for Christmas.
0: Yeah. You got a, you got a nice uh, stack to, to burn through now, don't you? Yeah. We got Assassin's Creed. We got XCOM. We got Halo. We got
1: Dishonored. We got The Walking Dead. There's been a backlash against that one. It's
0: been interesting to watch.
1: Well, I was going to mention that in in my I've, I played through episode one last night, and I'm willing to call it as one of the top games that I played in 2012.
0: So it's it's, it's a polarizing game. Yeah, I, I I've I've just stuck with the comic books.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I got the comic books and then. Excuse me.
0: the the graphic novels. I've stuck with the graphic novels.
1: Well, they're not really graphic novels. It, it, is, it is a comic book. Yeah. There, there aren't really novels.
0: Mm. Well I, I'm buying them in the hardcover books, uh and then you know, sort of just blow through the whole thing, and then say, "Okay, now what?"
1: <laughs> yeah, I get the 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 paper trade paperbacks once a
0: year, around mm-hmm. birthday or Christmas time. It's nice. There's, there's it's, a pattern here. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> nice knowing that there's a whole long series of volumes that are uh waiting for me you know that i don't have to rush
1: it's similar to the way i watch tv Uh. where i just i wait for a show to be canceled and then i catch up on it
0: Yeah, that's the way to go you want to you want to sort of read the read the final uh kind of the final judge's opinion on it and then decide if it's worth your time
1: i want to see how history judges it
0: and tom you're not doing so well on your resolution which is to talk more on this podcast
1: well, I've
2: actually been keeping myself muted as much as possible so you don't hear dog feet going tap, tap, tap.
1: <laughs> so. I- resolution is to get slippers for your dogs. Is that- <laughs> they would not last long. How long would they last for your dogs? They've actually pretty tolerant for, for things on them. Sophia's had to have a paw. Bandage a number of times, and they usually last a couple of days before they chew it off. I'm impressed.
0: It's a gentle breed, the greyhound.
1: Yeah, I'm reading the first book that I'm reading of 2012, Comet's Tale, a heartwarming tale of a man who saved a greyhound who just about saved him.
0: I didn't realize that they had, they had saved me in the end. Yeah, that's nice this is episode 13 of the game theory podcast and we're going with game of the year right that's what we're going to call this for lack of a better title and better preparation
1: yeah i think games of the year maybe
0: yeah i always think of that uh that that uh, somebody i used to know song whenever i see the acronym it, it messes me up uh, yeah so uh you guys have some picks what's what's your game of the year do you, is, is there such a thing can a person choose a game of the year or is it just like the oscars you only you only pick what aired at the end of the year
1: i'm super bad at favorites uh so it, it helps that i played a comparatively small number of games this year and there were a few standouts i think it's it's like the game of the year is is much easier when this is this is an incredibly obvious thing to say but but when there are incredibly awesome games that come out rather than having to adjudicate between equally okay games.
0: Yeah, yeah, choosing among the mediocre. Well, you know, the Penny Arcade Report, and I believe Technical also did a similar thing, which was from the editorial board, they just listed a number of games that were good in the year and didn't pick a favorite. You know, it's impossible to pick a favorite. That was a nice way to go. The gaming canon of 2012. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's definitely worth a read.
2: It also humbled me. Uh, It made it clear to me that I have not played enough games to form a a good opinion. So uh, what I'm going to come up with is going to feel like, hey, I I like the Beverly Hillbillies.
0: Well, part of this is I think if you're going to be, if you're going to be a pro, if you're going to really review games, they spanned mobile devices, handhelds, Several different consoles, even the Wii U, uh, had some picks. And that, that takes a lot of dedication to sort of spread yourself across all those platforms. Yes.
1: Yeah, I feel like when I was picking my games, it was, actually none of my games are, are not downloadable games. They're, they're, they're all games that I either got from PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Arcade, or, uh, the App Store. Wow, you can get the PlayStation Network to work. I, I'm impressed. <laughs> I I could. You can't always get games the day that they come out unless you pay extra money to be on the PlayStation Network. So you
2: you can get them point. to take your money. I'm I'm impressed.
0: <laughs> I gritted my teeth and sat down and went through the uh, what ended up being probably a 45 minute process of re injecting my credit card, resetting my password typing in my password with the ps3 controller several times in the interface uh, it has to be a secure password uh in order to get journey which um you know for me was worth it we know how you feel tom but uh we had a very nice i'm just being snide about it i don't have actual information <laughs> you should come over because my my little girl was absolutely shellacked she was even worse than when you saw her uh sick with a cold but she just sat and just said Ooh, well then it paid for itself oh yeah well that was that was a thing i i sort of realized there was this beautiful moment where she would actually watch me play a game for a while without you know going uh all hyperactive on me and i took i took it i took the opportunity
1: i feel like everyone who sits and watch watches someone play journey just turns into a grade a stoner <laughs> <laughs> just like whoa i've never seen the sky like that before
0: There is something about the, the ambiance of the game that kind of puts you in that mode.
1: Well, it's just like the, the the sensory delight that, you know, we so infrequently get in unaltered states. Oh yeah. and,
0: And that, that game company really, I think has pioneered the, the art of either, um, you know, fine, uh, objects or particle movement in, in the context of a game to really you know, take advantage of of the power that we have. You know, first of all, and really create a what feels like an immersive experience in a, the context of a game.
1: Yeah, because I I would say Journey is is probably game of the year for me. Uh, combination because of just how sort of arresting and and beautiful it was, and also just how like goddamn fun it was to to like fly around.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it 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 does sort of approach. It's one of Syracuse's picks as well, and and matches well with his other favorite of of Mario 64, where I keep going back to that game as the easiest one I can think of that just has pure delight of movement. You know, you just go back and play it because you like to jump and run.
1: Yeah, and and there's that tied into the, you know, now not spoiling for anyone, the uh the multiplayer mode where you interact with some unknown anonymous person on the internet and it becomes even more fun to move around because suddenly if you hang out with them, you have unlimited flysies.
0: Yep. Yep. And that's an interesting thing. And you know that, that goes back to the whole uh, concept of museum. And I, I mean, I guess you can have a, a pseudo anonymous partner, but you know, some of these mechanics that only work in mass, Disintegrate when you you don't have a bunch of people playing the game.
1: Uh, I'm I'm also curious for for Journey, which part of how awesome the multiplayer was for me was discovering it before there was any press about it, getting it on the, the first day it came out, and experiencing helping People along where everyone was like equally inexperienced. I've like recently gone on and there's people with white robes and scarves that are thirty feet long, and it's it's very clearly people who are who are now experts who have been playing it for a long time, playing with noobs. But that was particularly fun in that one moment in history where everyone was a noob at the game, and we're still figuring it out.
0: And that's a good point. Today, yeah, you know, most of the people that are playing are the the real diehards.
1: Yeah, so now that we got the the obvious pick out of the way, we can we can start going to all the second
0: bests. <laughs> well, I you know, I still have a soft spot in my heart for uh XCOM and that's a safe pick. That's a very safe pick for a top game of the year. Certainly, that game descended upon me at a at a great time where I had a little more free time and could really dig into it and enjoy it. You know, really loved getting back to you know, all the reviewers have said it great. They take the, the essence of the game and modernize it in a way that's really effective. Tobold's had issues with it. I, I agree with a lot of, you know, his complaints, but they're, they're really minor in the whole scheme of things. And, and you'll, you'll get a chance to enjoy it.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious since I never played the original XCOM. Do you think it's going to be, it certainly won't be the same experience. Do you think I will be able, be able to have as near a rich experience?
0: I do. I, I think your 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 experience won't be diminished because you haven't played the original xcom it's it's just a great game i mean if you have that if you have that desire to play turn-based strategy games it'll scratch your itch and that's you know fundamentally what the games about this is a a topic for another episode but you know there has been a big backlash particularly in the context of all this kickstarter stuff against retro games or homage games or pixel art games and there's something to that you know I, I, I get where people are coming from this is an example XCOM is an example of a game that does not fall prey to that
1: does not fall prey to the backlash or the
0: to the to the sort of you know trap of like just pandering to the aging gamers or whoever the, the demographic is that, that buys whatever comes out
1: they most most certainly updated it
0: it is a game that stands alone
1: Excellent. yeah that is, that is on my uh in my queue as they they say
2: <laughs> i've got to say i mean the the fact is that the game i've played the most this past <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> year isn't this year's game you know so world of tanks doesn't get to to win and the game i played the second most really i i don't feel like i have a first place because it would be it, it ends up being diablo 3 which I liked quite a bit and uh, thought was very professionally done and so forth. But at the same time, you had horrible plot and voice acting and uh, a cynical decision to do an auction house with real money and require an Internet connection so they could make sure nobody could ever sell the game to, to be used, things like this. I, I have so many problems with it. That I have trouble saying. Oh, this is this is the best game I played this year, and yet I I don't think there was another game I played more.
1: So you 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 voted it newest game you played this year.
2: <laughs> I, I, right. I I vote. I only have a second place. It's the, it's the mm-hmm. best I can do.
0: Yeah. I I, th- I think that you know any list of the games that have been influential for us certainly. I'll just say World of Tanks eight dot has had a big impact on us. They, they introduced the physics engine, they they made, you know, added a few new tank lines and we've we've played that game a lot. We continue to play the game and thoroughly enjoy it and it's a very nice low-key social thing for us as well.
1: Did 8.0 ca- come out uh this year? It did. Yes, I,
2: if, if you can count a new version, then I would have that number one for me without without trouble. I, I don't think I could uh, put it up against the artistic integrity of Journey or any of those. Nor is it a substantial, real gameplay change over the the previous versions. The physics engine adds to it quite a bit and, and, and so forth. And it's graphically improved and it now crushes older graphics cards, which we've discovered to our sorrow, but it, it is still a very fun game.
0: It, it's a perfect free to play game. It's a perfect comfort grind. I mean, I th- that's, that's what that game represents to me. And it, it does, uh, what it, what it aims to do. I'm very and happy. And
2: it's a seductive way to. For for somebody who says, oh, those gold coins that I spent money on a while ago, that's just funny money. It's very seductive in getting you to spend them. I don't end up generally feeling, even though I am being nickel and dimed, it doesn't hurt.
0: I think you made the mistake at one point of buying in bulk. And so the the memory of how much you spent, it recedes in time. I, I try to purchase uh, my, my tank bucks or whatever they are in, in very small increments. So I feel the pain each time. You pay but, in cash rather than credit card. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but it's, it's a better deal. No, no, it's a, it is a better deal. You are right. They know, they know the formula.
1: Yes. I mean, I have a number of iOS games, uh, that I really like that are on my list, but I feel like Tom, did, were you the one who mentioned super hexagon or was that, uh, uh Brian Geno-Ride? was reading about it, although I enjoyed it too. Yeah, cause that, that was one of the Penny Arcade Reports top games.
0: Yeah, I have to say, I went through that list over the holidays and, uh, plundered it. It was great. <laughs>
1: yeah, I've been, I mean, there two, so the games on that list are, uh, Super Hexagon, which, uh, Brian pushed and I think we all have now. Sleeping Dogs, which I just haven't seen before. Fez, which is, is definitely on my list, probably number two which we can talk about a little later. Then Papa and Yo, which looked awesome. I saw the ads for it. Still still in my queue. And then Mark of the Ninja, which we've also discussed on these pages before, which for whatever reason I've I've delayed playing and
0: will pick up. Yeah, I, I spent some time with Mark of the Ninja over the holidays and it is just a fantastic game. It they they really are not kidding when they say You sort of look at what they did in that game, and you realize there's there's no going back. Any game designer, any gamer that plays this, the stealth genre has changed forever. Wait,
2: Letterpress wasn't on that list? It is faulty.
1: Letterpress is on my list.
2: Okay, (laughs) good.
1: Yeah, I mean, Letterpress is just beautifully designed. I'm super tired of playing Words with Friends because... It's just it's it's now a grind of of me playing against my dad and only playing words horizontally against each other with with one letter sticking out always a V or a C uh, very competitive but no longer fun to play whereas uh, letterpress uh, even in difficult games always feels like
0: a joy also because. It's
1: a much more soothing rather than an annoying sound when, when you touch letters and you move them around.
0: Yeah, it really captures a lot of what, a lot of what makes iOS stand out as far as aesthetic, aesthetic and design. And there's
2: it's not really owned by Zynga.
0: Testify, yeah. And you can, you can just
1: get rid of games by, by flicking them to the right and it brings up a menu. There's, there's a lot of like nice little touches like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Mark, Market of the Ninja was another one that, that I'm gonna, be, you know, we're gonna be talking about more. Uh, certainly had an impact on me. Uh, but I haven't, I haven't played it a lot. I mean, I think part of the issue is a lot of us don't have as much time, uh, to play games as, as we might. And so we, we don't always get to, to, to dive into these things as hard as, as we might in an ideal case, right?
1: Yeah, it's like l- looking back at the, the number of games that like qualified for the list, I was actually surprised by how, how few there were. Um even looking, you know, I, I probably bought like 25 or 30 iOS games after I got the iPad. Uh, and there were a lot of fun ones, but, uh, standout ones from that. And then looking at the, the number of console games I, I played was, was very small. I think I just like got through. The, like, Kill Zone 3 or something like that. Like last year's console batch was a bunch of sequels, not a lot new coming out of that. So it was really in the, the more groundbreaking PSN or Xbox Live Arcade games that I feel shown, but you know, those came out only every couple of months. So wasn't like grinding through those every two weeks or so
0: and i have to say one of the items on the list connect party or there was another one by double fine that's basically the same game grab that my little one played it and she absolutely loved this connect toy game kind of like a WarioWare with just a bunch of little mini games uh, that involve the connect it's the first game we've successfully found that you know a two three four year old can play without you know without any slowing them down And that was a a, a lot of fun for the whole family. Uh, Tom, you got to try that out too, right? She made you do it?
2: It was excellent, and she's great at it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So if you have little ones, definitely something to check out if you have an Xbox.
1: I still don't have the Kinect. I played a little bit of Kinectimals at your house, which I thought was very intriguing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm still holding it out
0: yeah i i brought the connect to my parents house for the the holiday the winter holiday i had my sister try the dance one of these dance games uh dance central i think it was and she she tried the demo a few times and i just got in the car drove to best buy bought the game came back and that's that's what a lot of the the activity in the house was focused around over the holiday was people doing this dancing game uh money money well spent money well spent
1: yeah it's it's when when you find people who don't play games that often and they enjoy a game i f- i feel it's it's often the right choice to just buy it for them <laughs> don't just show it to them and and have them like it and then leave them with the choice of whether or not they're going to s- decide to play it if you want to convert them you need to just get it for them
0: yeah make it easy make them an offer they can't refuse
1: yeah also on my ios list i mean i had letterpress Though I, I don't know if I would put it up there with the most innovative games. I really enjoyed Waking Mars.
0: I, re- I really want to play that one. I, I saw the graphics. It looks gorgeous and, um.
1: It's an action gardening adventure.
0: How could that be bad? Yeah.
1: Where I saw it read. It's, it's another game that's super fun to move around. It has a little bit of the retro vibe with the level of detail on the, the, the human sprite and also uh, with the voiceover it has those like fixed graphic uh, pictures i don't know how to describe them that that alternate
0: yeah like the cutscene type of thing i also got the feeling of like the classic adventure game you know how you have the movies that had the painted landscape backdrops that that kind of a vibe
1: yeah Yeah, the map is uh, the world map is is like connected like a metroid or like a when you look at the map it's more like a one of the pixel junk game maps but yeah it's it's just also i won't say like journey but in a similar manner that games like journey and there was another game at uh Pax Rousers that was was really good it was just you know super fun to move around you have you have a jetpack uh most of the game you're you're moving around and you're trying to increase the the uh, bio power level of Uh, of areas by cultivating these these strange like half plant half animal uh uh, alien species and trying to get to the bottom of of the mystery of you know how there's life on mars what happened to your your robot
0: now did you ever play pikmin uh no what is what's pikmin now tom you you did play that so you can explain what it is
1: uh i actually don't
2: i my my niece played it a lot it's it's uh an, an ato- a a nintendo gardening game i think it was gamecube
0: yeah it's like a combination of lemmings and uh some kind of gardening thing i don't know
2: yes yes and uh not not quite plants versus zombies but yeah you're you're essentially hoarding or herding your your pikmin's around uh through I, I, I don't recall it well, and they even did a sequel, but, uh, it was, uh, fairly good at the time. But that's like four or five years ago.
1: I feel like gardening is, is a really unexplored, uh, why, uh, but, but flower, I guess, was a little bit of a gardening game.
0: That's, that's, you know, one of my crazy game ideas is a gardening game. I, it's, there's, I think, a lot of, a lot there. It's peaceful.
1: Yeah. If you want, you want to have a, uh, an ambient and send game. Why not Garden?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sure beats going outside, I'll tell you that much.
1: We need to stop talking about this because this is going to be our Black Ops project which is <laughs> for 2K13.
0: It might be, it might be. Another award-winning game from from the Finkel-Fife combo. Uh,
1: then the other iOS game, uh, I've, and I would appreciate it if someone helped me pronounce this, uh,
0: Nihilumbra, Nihilumbra? Isn't it a metal band? Don't you know how to say this?
1: <laughs> well, I feel like it, it starts with with N I H L, which you know I want to to say like. I think going with like Nile. I think
0: Lumbar. going with Nile is the right way to go, even if it's wrong. Nobody's going to fault you that much. Nileumbra. Yeah, Nileumbra. Nileumbra.
1: I would say the thing that impressed me the most about this was was just the the mood. It, it's it's sort of like a puzzle platformer makes. Uh, decent use of the the touchscreen with uh, jumping around, but also drawing these these colors on on the screen to to enact different elements. But in general, your uh, your character is this like blob of the void that has somehow escaped from the void and is fleeing from it. And as you're moving through the world, really very dark messages uh, to you about how you're you know you're never going to escape you're only going to bring doom to all the lands that you go through without explicit metal overtones it was the the most metal slash emo game that i've played recently and then the 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 kicker is is you the game is not super hard you get through you get through the whole game all the levels and then you discover that uh, the entirety of the game that you'd played thus far was only a tutorial and you have to play through all of the other levels on actual hard mode and i've only got through like two of them at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: that's like the real kicker. Nice. So 2012 and games, huh? That's, that's kind of what, what it boils down to. I mean, there was a lot of indie stuff, but it was sort of the second wave of indie, right? I mean, we we already gotten through the whole Jonathan Blow, blah, blah, blah thing.
1: Well, I feel like we've we mentioned Fez, but we haven't talked about that. But the, I mean, that feels like... I mean, it's one of the games in Indie Game, the movie with Super Meat
0: Boy and it it just took a little longer to come out huh
1: and braid yeah so so it, it feels like it, it a part of that that same family of AAA indie uh, to use the term that that chris hecker uses that uh, are the first wave of just like blow you away games i, I think because you know we were m- many of us were introduced to the idea of fez long before it came out and it was super awesome to play it, and it was even more awesome than uh, we imagined in, in some of the puzzles.
0: You also had Unfinished Swan, which was, you know, I think more of a, more of 2012 than of 2011. You know, you might argue Fez was,
1: right? Yeah, Unfinished Swan, it, it reminded me a little bit of, of Portal, the original Portal, and the game that Portal 2, like, Valve acquired the the team out of DigiPen that made Narbacular Drop to do Portal. I think they also got the team, and I'm going to have to type around to figure out, to remember the name, but there was a, a game that involved uh, shooting paint blobs on walls and, and being able to bounce off of them that eventually uh, turned into the game mechanic in Portal 2 that, that dominates like the second half of the game where... There are different paints on the wall, and they do different things. Uh, but it had a little bit of, of that feeling, a little bit uh, spare, the sort of charm of some of these experimental student indie projects. Uh, but at the same time, The Unfinished Swan was super fleshed out and uh, and polished. So it, it felt like the best of both worlds. It was spare and interesting. Whereas Fez was just like totally immersive over the top, you felt like the dude bled on every single pixel for four years like you you felt every year that he put into that uh unfinished one felt a little bit more fresh
0: well yeah you know, I think one of the things that happened in in twenty twelve was that the gaming audience developed a tolerance for that, especially since you know there were so many ninety nine cent or two dollar or three dollar iOS games, you could have an idea and build a game around it. And as long as, you know, you made it beautiful and you put some polish to it and you had some interesting concepts, ideas and mechanics, people would buy it and they wouldn't just reject it for, you know, not being 40 hours or whatever the criticism would be.
1: Yeah. It's like the objection that this is only a, a a five hour game is more and more quickly drowned out by rounds of dismissal.
0: Well, yeah, and there are a lot of people now, especially as as we all get older as gamers, that say, "and it's a five hour game," <laughs> you know. I play it through Journey all in one sitting. Yeah, you can you know you can see the whole thing and uh, not be interrupted. Thank God.
1: I did that last night with episode one of of Walking Dead. Uh, that was like a a one sitting episode.
0: Yep. Cool. So, anything else you wanna you wanna cover, Jim?
1: I had Fez Journey, Unfinished Swan, Letterpress, Waking Mars, and Nyalumbra in in my my top list.
0: Mm-hmm. I had XCOM, World of Tanks. I, I put Shadow of the Ninja down, and I put down uh, the the Connect toy just just so that something with a Kinect showed up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like best of best of each medium is like starting to think of it that way uh, is is an interesting way to go about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, because, you know, what I want the connect for is screwing around my family. Like, it's a different, it's a whole different experience I'm buying into. The same thing, like, if I ever power my Wii, I'm probably not going to do it by myself.
1: Yeah, and you're probably not looking for uh, a hardcore game.
0: Yeah, but, you know, that being said, looking at 2013, one of the things I'm most interested in is this concept. You know, they showed the, what's the thing, what's the NVIDIA thing called, Tom? Shield? The Shield, yeah. They showed the NVIDIA Shield. And you know it's in some ways I think the same concept just made fancier that the the Wii U controller has, which is taking your big screen and carrying it around. It was uh, Gabe from Penny Arcade, a picture of him playing Call of Duty on the Wii U while his wife was playing Lego something on the big screen. So they're sitting next to each other on the couch playing two different games, one hardcore and one more casual.
2: Which is very useful and such, but of course you can be doing that with an iPad game, an iOS game, or something. It's just that those are not considered AAA games. I
0: don't want to play shooters on a tablet.
2: and I agree with that entirely. the The, the, the thing that's interesting to me, though, is that I think um, Nintendo with the Wii U does one additional thing, which is that they looked into it as as they did with the with the Wii. As, as a way to enable completely different sets of gameplay. In particular, if you have one player who can see the big screen and only, and his own, then you can have that player have a different set of information than all the others, which makes it an interesting thing. The, the Luigi's castle game in which the person with the controller gets to be the ghost who is invisible to everybody else. Yep. And, and move around and try to to uh, haunt them is a, a very cool uh, approach to using that. Now that also means that, like the Wii, largely it's going to be pretty much by definition a social to to party device.
0: Well, there's also some less gimmicky implementations like what they did with Zombie U, where they intentionally force you to look down at the tiny screen and kind of peer at it while guys are sneaking up on you on the big screen.
1: I haven't heard any specifics about zombie U. I think because I haven't really been looking at details for the, the system. What, what I have heard was that it was surprisingly scary for a Wii game.
0: (laughs) I think it's a, it's, it's a, it's a hardcore game, you know, as far as everything I can tell, I have not played it, but the, the mechanic I'm talking about specifically is you have to go and rummage around in your backpack on the touch screen and while you're doing that, very quietly zombies might be approaching you and trying to ambush you. So your head's down and then, ah, you get attacked and it's scary, which is really cool. That sounds compelling. Yep, yep. So find, okay. finding ways that the game designers are actively trying to distract you is a is a neat concept that adds a different element to these games.
1: <laughs> I think two things that I'll be interested in seeing in, in 2013, uh, both... Both the uh, valve fanboy things is the impact of a uh, big picture and also the impact of green light
0: yeah I keep I keep asking myself if it's time to try big picture and and I haven't done it yet, but as I like to say, uh, every new computer game I buy threatens to be the next game that forces me to buy a computer <laughs> so I'm putting it off as much as i can
1: I th- there's been a lot discussed about uh, green light and I'm I'm curious if Valve is going to continue to move towards the, the crowdsourced model of picking games or if there's at least going to be some component of of the curation that has been in the Steam Store.
0: Yeah, I've I've you know I've been watching all the titles that have come through and they you know they don't look bad. They all sort of pass a sniff test, but there's there hasn't been anything like FTL, by the way, which is another game that makes my list. Absolutely FTL. But there hasn't been a game like FTL where I look at it and say, I just have to buy this. Yeah, I need to, I need to see what this is about.
1: Yeah, I mean I've seen a couple of games I've played for iOS. They're on green light to get onto Steam. Mm-hmm. I think Wikimars Mars may have been on that and I think maybe Nile too. I'm cautiously optimistic.
2: I'm I'm not quite sure why we worry that much about curation and so forth. I, I, the the thing is that it's pretty clear that to the extent that the iOS game market is constrained by Apple's policies of of stopping some some sets of content they don't like android game market is not at all so so there are perfectly large uh game development markets that that anybody can go for obviously they've always been able to go for the PC the main thing with the PC is that there aren't uh, haven't been good centralized markets but the, the thing there is, sort of like the Incredibles, if, if everybody's, uh, special, nobody is. If, if everybody can get into the market so that it's got tens of thousands of games, by definition, nobody can stand out. So, it is kind of important that, that there be some first culling there.
1: I, I think I'm for curation in, in the sense that I'm I'm an elitist bastard, and I think that there's going to be some really awesome games that uh, that the populace doesn't doesn't support in Greenlight that I want to play.
0: Well, we would all love to see the you know Jonathan Blow collection of 12 or 52 games that get released that are you know people he knows or people that have pitched to him um, that are short form games that are conceptual that you just sort of crank through. I mean, I think we would all subscribe to that.
1: Yeah, and those might be games that, you know, in and of themselves, you wouldn't pay money for or you wouldn't say, oh yeah, this is not some game that, you, you, that I would play on Steam.
0: Well, like a book club. Yeah. The Steam book club. In fact, throw out your book club idea. Just do an indie game club. I think that's what you should do, Jim.
1: Uh, one indie game a week? One
0: indie game a week. iOS or PC.
1: 52 weeks, 52 games. That's right. It's, on, it's still the first week and if i if i count uh episode one as a game see the problem is is in the in the book club you have to finish the book to have it count for for the week whereas i feel like it might be a little more rough trying to to finish a game a week well that's
0: why the trick is to find these kind of shorter form games or ones that you don't have to play through to to get the gist right
1: Well, that and and what does it mean to to finish a game? Like like Super
0: Hexagon would be a great game that would fit in that context, right? And you're certainly not going to finish it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, if if you have to get to the credits to to count the game,
0: (laughs) that's that's a that's a that's a rarefied list. No, I I hear you. Well,
1: also if
2: if you end up saying, "Well, I actually didn't like that game," then that's a failure for you for that week.
0: Well, I, I like the idea of you know having some castor oil in the mix, some some games that you you probably aren't going to like, but that you should try so that you you get educated.
1: Yeah, I I don't think it's a failure when uh, you th- you think you like a game and then it turns out you don't. That's
2: right, so but you don't really- have a recommendation for that week. Is my point.
1: Yeah. You, well, you you have uh, you have a review for the week more than a recommendation. Yes.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah, we look at the, uh, again, go back to the Saabuck gamer thing where they're just kind of chunking out these little games like congregate style games as recommendations. It's, it's interesting to watch. Now I don't play them all, but it's interesting to watch. And did you try Mega Man X, uh, Super Street Fighter? Did you, did you check out that game? Cause I didn't play it.
1: Uh, I didn't, I didn't have a chance. Oh, uh, shame on you. Sorry, I was in a violent car accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: Oh man, right in your pocket there, I understand.
1: Yeah, I gotta use that for everything, man.
0: Huh? Oh, I was gonna edit that bit out, no I can't. <laughs> it's such a great turn. I do wanna play that, though. Yeah, no doubt. You,
1: you've you been sending a few of the, the Sabak gamers uh, links out. It, it's
0: in them. my RSS, so I, you know, I read them if they look good.
1: Yeah, you haven't sent out that, uh, the, uh, the digest lately.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if it's interesting or not. Were you guys enjoying that?
1: I was, yeah. Yeah,
0: maybe I'll start I mean, publishing on the site. It's not that much work to do.
1: It's, uh, it's definitely good for pulling miscellaneous side references, uh, of things we've all read. Yeah.
0: I mean, well, what, what, what I, Jim's talking about is I set up a, uh, th- I have an RSS reader called Fever by Sean Inman. And what it does is, uh, it takes, all the news sites that are in your RSS and tries to identify when they're all pointing to the same thing and elevates that article. It doesn't work perfectly because, uh, let's face it, you know, blogs don't always agree on which is sort of the canonical source of an article and sometimes they don't link when they should. It certainly doesn't work for real news. It's kind of nice because I've added every game, blog, website, review site under the sun to it and uh, I've been going through... At the beginning of the week and trying to kind of pick out both the most popular stories and some of the interesting ones that have been picked up by a few sources and and sending them out to the guys and may may add that to wider distribution just just so we see what people think. I I might put it on the Facebook, see what they think of that there.
1: Wait, so is, is there like a fever RSS that I can subscribe to or is it not? It like is that? an
0: app and you buy it, but then you set it up as a web server. Um, and it's single user only. Uh, so, you know, it is just for me.
1: Cause I finally figured out how to read things in RSS feeds. <laughs>
0: you, you now make with the RSS, huh? I,
1: uh, I've had the Google reader for a long time, but I, I can't bring myself to sit down and, and read a bunch of long articles on my my computer, but I I
0: can read them on my it's, iPad. It's the, the iPad is the perfect device for that. And and I I just uh, one of the things I did this year is I subscribed to uh, Ars Technica, so I get the full length uh, news in that feed.
1: What do you use for your iPad, Ars? I on? use
0: Reader, and Tom, you use Mr. Reader. Uh, I'm
2: back and forth between Reader and Mr. Reader, but yes. I, on on my iPhone, it's Reader. On my iPad, it's Mr. Reader.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. I'm using Feedly.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know that one. It's uh, it's very colorful. Oh, that's good. That's good. Let's see. We talked about some games. We talked about a bunch of other meaningless and random stuff. Um, we, ha- we got a dog bark We got a dog bark in. So I'm going to be... Publishing this on uh every other Monday as long as we can get together and record. And we'll try to record, you know, today's Monday so I have a whole week to get it done. Our our goal is to to follow a more rigorous schedule. Now anything that is uh burning a hole in your guys' pocket as far as subjects that you want to cover upcoming. I've I've already mentioned that one of the things I want to talk about is this backlash against Kickstarter games and the backlash against uh retro pander games.
1: Um, I'm going to check the Asana. I do. Well, so one thing, if, if, if you want to go to a two week schedule, should, do you think we should shoot for 45 minute episodes?
0: They, we don't need to make them long. They'll be what they are. I mean, this is a short one, but it's, it's in part just because we're working, the Single working topic. the kinks out, <laughs> yeah. getting back into the swing of things.
2: I'm, I'm sort of interested in, uh, game distribution platforms like steam and so forth, how how that has changed and and how the ios things have changed and then potentially uh because it's cl- fairly clear that valve feels threatened by the windows 8 store that they feel that they may actually be that steam may be shut out of the windows platform which is why they they are actively calling windows 8 uh an an evil Thing that game developers shouldn't support,
0: and why they've jumped to Linux, and why they've done the big screen, and why they've done, yeah, they're they're pushing hard.
2: Um, I I think they're they're afraid, and I hope they're wrong to be to, to to feel it, but they they might be right, because apparently under the Metro environment, Metro games, in other words, Windows RT, must go through the Windows Store.
0: Yeah, they have to. If you want to use the APIs, you gotta you gotta do that. The other, the other thing is, um, there's this whole concept of like buying a physical disc and then locking it to your console so you can only play it on your console. I mean, it's like, it's like a bad Nintendo dream.
2: Right. The, the, the notion, the, the thing that Sony patented was a, uh, a, a little RFID tag that could go on, uh, would, would be on the spinning disc in, in your console. And the first time you played it, It would communicate and I believe it could, the console could actually write to the game disc to say, okay, now you're only going to ever play on this console and, and so forth. So the next time if you put it in a different one, it would say, no, sorry, you, you saw, this has been sold once to one person and can't be used again.
0: I, I don't know why we don't just move to user accounts. You can, you know, have five devices or whatever and, Transition. I mean, listening to uh, Syracuse to talk about setting up the Wii U, it took him eight hours.
2: I think the Wii U is doomed, uh, and 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 it's not at all clear to me that Sony and Microsoft are going to bring enough interesting in their next generation to uh, make people pay two or three hundred dollars for it again.
0: Uh so thanks for the uh thanks for the session guys. I will uh, talk to you uh, in a couple weeks. Good thing. All right, bye-bye. Bye. This has been the Game Theory podcast episode 13 Game of the Year. We will be resuming our normal bi-weekly schedule for the rest of 2013. Thanks for listening.